Racing Nation with James O'Shea. You are listening to Racing Nation, and our thanks to Dynamic Form. Let's have a look at our Dynamic Form ratings, review, and preview. Dynamic Form, jump onto the website, dynamicform.com.au. Serious punting, serious form. It's Australia's most in-depth form guide powered by Dynamic Odds. And joining us now from Dynamic Form, it's Jack Smallhorn. How are you? Hey, James. I'm well, thanks. How are you going? Not too bad. I might have set a Guinness World Record for the amount of times to say dynamic form in about the space of 30 seconds, then, I reckon. Well, that's what we want. That's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just, I just thought to us, how many times have I said that? But anyway, so that's why we're here. So for dynamic form, we're going to have a look at our ratings review and preview. What can you tell us out of last week? What is What were some of the talking points or horses that we need to follow? Yeah, we had the South Australian derby uh, last week with Dunkel overcoming a bit of interference on the turn and then in the straight. To, uh, to run down promises kept inside the final 50 metres to win that um, South Australian derby. He's recorded a 58, which is obviously a career peak for him, but it was one of the lower-rated South Australian derbies we've seen uh, in, the, in the, you know, the recent history of the race. Um, there's been some class horses in this race, though, in the last few years with um, Explosive Jack and Russian Camelot. So mm. Dunkel isn't quite on their level. I think Paddy Payne said he's going to give him a very light and just take it easy with him and maybe think about his five-year-old year to step him up. So that's probably the right way to go, I reckon. And, um, yeah, just watch him potter around during the spring and pick off some lower-level targets and then we'll see how he develops. I thought Promises Kept was really, really good. I thought, yeah, I thought it was home halfway down the straight. He just got pested by a couple of runners in the middle stages in the lead and um, that was his undoing. But he ran a terrific race in any case. Abbeyfieldy Boy is probably one worth a mention just because he's likely to go up to Queensland for your derby up there. He got a long way back and and sustained a a strong run to the line and it looks like 2,400 metres at Eagle Farm will be be very suitable for that horse. So it's sort of a bit of an open derby up there behind Kovalika. Obviously, it'd be interesting to see what he does in the gym Mm. cup on Saturday. So you're a little bit of an even bunch behind um, that horse. So, yeah, Abbeyfieldy Boy might be one to just keep an eye on um, if he goes up north. The Spirit of Boom Classic was a good race. Um, Sofrado was brilliantly ridden by Damien Thornton for an upset win there, darting through a tight gap late to win. He's run a career peak as well of 47.5, so he probably continues on to the, the JJ Atkins path now. And I must say that 1,600 metres at Eagle Farm looks like it'll be very suitable for him as well. I thought Appen Girl's run was okay. She was probably entitled to win the race with the run she had, she had a nice smother behind them and got perfect run through at the top of the straight and just didn't have that same turn of speed at 1,200 metres that we've seen from there at 1,000 metres, but obviously still ran well and get the pass mark, but I just was a touch disappointed. Um, maybe thought she could have won that race with the run she had. I was keen on Empire of Japan, and I thought his run was full of merit. He just found himself behind a wall of horses coming around the home turn and then was held up to the 200, but... Once he did get clear and balanced up, his last sort of 100 metres was really strong. So he's another one going to the JJ Atkins. It looks like it's going to be a really strong race this year, but he could show up in a race like that for sure. He's, as we spoke about last week, he's got those strong Sydney form lines, and I thought that run on Saturday around Zoomden, um was was a really good run. So let's keep an eye on him for the JJ Atkins. Then we have the 10,000. What an arrogant win by... Um, like you get to go, I heard a couple of people saying it wasn't a great win, but he, I just think he didn't go out of second gear. He, um, he, yeah, he just toyed with them a bit. He ran a 66 and a half. 
So that's a touch off what he ran when he was second in the TJ Smith and then um, when he won the All-Age Stakes. That's a couple of points off that rating. But as I said, it was an arrogant win and he looked to have plenty in the tank over the concluding stages. I can't wait to see him back as a four-year-old in the spring when he's you know, a bit more mature and, and see what he does. And no doubt he's going to go to another level. I thought Overpass was extremely brave. He had to, he's a horse that likes control in front and he, he couldn't really get that. He had to work outside the leader and, and you know, they, they took each other on a little bit, those two leaders. But he fought on really, really well down the straight and was only beaten by Gig Kick, obviously. The gelding of that horse looks to have um, done the trick with him. He won the quokka, uh first up as gelding and then he's run a beauty behind Giga Kick. So, I'm tipping there'll be some Everest slot holders getting in contact with them. I, I can't see how he misses the slot uh, with his, his two runs since being gelded. Mazu was honest as ever, but as we've mentioned, he just looks a length off, you know, in these big sprints at the moment. I know he won the 10,000 last year, but yeah, the last 12 months, he just looks a length off them. But he was very honest. And um happened as well. He had the perfect run, tracking to the kick and, and ran well, but obviously no match, so... He'll probably have a break now, I think, and, and we'll see him in the spring. But yeah, Giga Kick, it, it didn't look like an ultra impressive win, but geez, I, I thought he, he did it in, you know, he did it in years. So, very exciting horse, obviously. Now, the last thing I just wanted to mention was um, Gatton on last Friday. Um, <laughs> the the Spruik. You put your head on the chopping block before yeah. the acceptance of prices. As you said, there was no spoil at the price, but um, yeah, very curious to hear uh, how this run rated, to be honest. Yeah, it was the big dynamic form Spruik horse, or she is, sorry, um, Natalia. And great to see her live up to expect, uh, expectations for me anyway and bolt in at, uh, at Gatton last Friday. Yeah, we mentioned that impressive figure. She ran on debut at Toowoomba, a 46 there, and she was just impress- as impressive at start number two. She actually ran a shade um, off. She ran a 46 here at Gatton and then a 46 and a half at Toowoomba, but... I do put that down to how soft their wings have been. I mean, if she was really asked to go and finish the races off, um, both times she could have improved that rating, I think. So I also think around Gatton, she just got a little bit lost and she didn't, it just didn't look like a, you know, that tight circuit sort of suited her, even though she found the front and ledge. She just sort of wobbled around the turn a bit. So I think once she gets to a Sunshine Coast or an Eagle Farm, um, she, she's going to be a, a really serious horse. So I'm not sure what Paul Wallace is going to do with her now, but um, if, if he continues on this campaign or puts her away and, and thinks about um, something, you know, up there in, in Queensland during the, the summer, or I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, very, very impressive horse. She actually ran um, nearly half a second quicker than the 62 um, at Gatton on the same day as well. So, yeah, a serious, serious filly, that one. So very, very much looking forward to following her progress and, and seeing where she ends up. And where you think she can end up, I mean, of course, who knows with that. But in terms of the figures and the ratings through dynamic form that you see, and I mean, the, the best example we can use is Ember Assembly, who and that's what you were able to compare her to on Deboo and then which well, similar path, I suppose, Ember Assembly one second, then went to town. But her figures and her stats show that she is, what, up to... Is she listed level? Is she, is she showing that sort of... Yeah. What, what, what level do you think she can get based on the ratings, what you've seen in the first two? Well, when in Assembly won his first race and it was around that 46.5, we sort of compared it to like a benchmark 80 Saturday rating. So mm. she's done exactly the same thing. So I'm convinced that she's a city class and going to win a city race. The thing about the stakes races is if she turns four, obviously, in August, so then she 
it's a bit different then taking on, you know, all ages once you get to four. As a three-year-old filly, if you could find a little, you know, 1,200-metre stakes race during the Brisbane Carnival, I'd be, I'd be, you know, very confident about her running well in that race. So she's a bit tricky. Obviously, she's going to mature and everything as if when she has a break and come back better. But you see a lot of three-year-old fillies, it, it's obviously a lot easier for them to win a stakes race against their own, own age and then they come back at four and um, you, you're taking on, you know, everyone. So... A little bit harder, but yeah, she's definitely, definitely city class. I'd be shocked if she didn't win a, a city race, and um, I, I'm, I'm got the feeling she's a bit better than that. So yeah, I'd be confident that she could, you could measure up the stakes level, um, whether it be this campaign against the three-year-olds or, uh, you know, in twelve months' time or nine months' time when we see her back. Mm, interesting to follow that journey and hear where Matilli ends up. Here you go, found, found the race for her to fit exactly what you've talked about. Next oh, Saturday, Eagle Farm, Helen Coglin stakes for fillies and mares. Oh, it is, sorry, it is three-year-olds and upwards. Uh, yeah, so it might have been a three-year-old race, there's a, but there's a, a Fred Best Classic. And again, depending on how far they think she can run, the Fred Best Classic for three-year-olds, so the 1,400 metres. Um, that's the boys and the girls, obviously. But, um, but yeah, but interesting to follow. We'll see what... Um, yeah, I, the way she went mm. through the line there of 1,100, I, yeah, I think she'll run 1,200 at least. She was very strong mm. again. Um, so I wouldn't think 1,200 would, would pull her up. So, let, mm. yeah, let's wait and see. And um, we'll let Paul do the... Uh, yeah, <laughs> the speculate. And have our wages. Yes, no, but impressive for you to watch and great to see Paul Wallace again. This was another nice horse. All right, well, let's have a look at this weekend. Good weekend of racing again. So dual group one meetings in two different states, South Australia and, of course, in Queensland. Let's head to South Australia, first of all. So the premier sprint in South Australia is the Goodwood. And this is the Goodwood this weekend. It's race number eight, group one, over the 1,200 metres. What's the rating points tell us about this year's edition of the tab, Goodwood? Yeah, uh, look, the Goodwood, I can't say it's the strongest race we've seen um, ever and but there's a winner here to be found. I mean we've seen Take at the Target win this race and Black Caviar, but um, yeah, it's just dropped away a bit this year. There's, there's not a heap of depth here, but there's a winner to be found. As I said, happy to keep it pretty simple and and go with Lofty Strike. He he um, in a very fair or fairly moderate Group One race. He's the up and comer and brings some great form lines through that. Um, the New Market two starts back when he he just got beaten by In Secret and then he was rushing home to run second behind Uncommon James in the Oakley Plate. Um, after those two starts, he went to the TJ Smith and, and just didn't go on that extremely heavy track. So I'm prepared to put a line through that and, and go on his prior form. If he reproduces one of the new market or the Oakley Plate run, I, I can't see how they'll beat him here, to be honest. They're, as I said, they're a pretty even bunch and are behind him, um, and I think he's yeah, at his best, he's too good for them. Um, Kalos maybe looks the biggest threat. He's, he's won three in a row uh, this campaign, including the RNO and Stakes a month ago. He has to do it at 1,200 metres, which is a bit of a, a niggle with him, but if he's ever going to do it, it'll be here from a perfect draw um, around Morfordville. So it does. It, it, looks a, it looks a really nice race for Lofty Strike here. Um, not a heap of meat on the bone. It's about a $3.30 chance or something, but... He does look extremely hard to beat if he can just find a bit of cover from that um, that widest drawing barrier 10. I think he'll be far too strong and run over the top of them late. 
All right, so we've got Lofty Strike to take out the Goodwood and the Epistle. Also, we deserved a big one. It's Lofty, so might get his chance this weekend. Doombin this weekend is uh, another big meeting here and the, the feature Group 1 of the day, the 4X Doombin Cup. It's over 2,000 metres. Wait for Rage Group 1. Of course, we always knew Zaki was heading in this direction, looking to win the race again. But, of course, the big... Well, I suppose the, the the spanner in the works or sort of the, the surprise packet is Kovalika. So we were expecting Kovalika, of course, to win last week and proceed towards the derby. But yeah, a little bit of a foot abscess there. So Chris Waller announcing that Kovalika would be withdrawn last Saturday on race morning and end up in this race. So that adds a little bit of... An, and back up in the derby next week. So adds a little bit of intrigue to the race. So a lot of the attention, I'm sure, centers around... Well, the top and the tail, one which is Zaki, and then the bottom weight down the bottom, which is Kovalika. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we had yeah, Zaki won this race by seven lengths two years ago, and then was beaten at a dollar twenty-four um, last last year. So, I think he does reclaim his, his Doom and Cup crown on Saturday, though. He's, he's winning the Hollandale three weeks ago. It didn't rate through the roof, but he was forced to do a stack of early work to sit outside the leader and. He was very. I thought he was vulnerable the last two hundred metres, but he fought them all off and, and held on to win. Looks like there's less pressure or early pressure in this race, and he can hopefully just glide across and, and sit outside the leader uh, without using a heap of petrol. I think if he gets that spot and they don't go, you know, a mad tempo and he's able to just control it from out to the leader, I, I'm not sure they could beat him, to be honest. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I think $2 is a fair price as well, to be honest. Um, yeah, very fair price about a horse that, that's, you know, at his best a lot better than these. The three-year-old does. Uh, at a different angle and a bit of interest here, Kovalika. Um, I know I might put my head on the chopping block again, but I know he's got a stack of upside and he was a huge winner of the Guineas last time, but his ratings just aren't in the same ballpark as uh, as some of these well-performed, experienced weight for age horses. So I'd be shocked if he was able to beat Zaki home, um, especially from his gate 13. He's going to have to go back and where Zaki's going to be spotting Zaki five lengths straightening I reckon or four length straightening so yeah I'd be very keen to take on the three year old here um, the sleeper in the race might be um, Dewis who not much went right for her in the spring but she she ran a 66 and a half when winning the Australian Cup last year and then a 67 and a half when she bolted in the Tancred Stakes uh, just over 12 months ago so I know it's formed from 12 months ago but if she can get back anywhere near that level, um, she's, she's going to run a race here for sure. And at $17, you don't have to have much on to find out um, how she's going. So, yeah, I'm finding it very, very hard for them to beat Zaki. The map looks perfect for him. He's obviously the best horse in the race. Gets J-Mac. Uh, yeah, plenty of ticks just about every box here. So, very happy to, to go, you know, all in on Zaki. But... I think if you want to have another little each-way player, a small saver in the race, I'd, I'd be having something each-way on um, Dewis. I reckon the trials have been good leading into this. Obviously, just put a, put a line through that spring preparation and, and she's one of the better, you know, better-performed gallopers in the country. So $17, I'm happy to play her each-way. Very, very small bet each-way, but I think Zaki will win the Zoom Cup. Right, so Zaki, the on top of there, and so we can have a saver or best ruffy in the race, whichever you want to look at it, is, is certainly the 11. So uh, duo might be worth um, including in multiples, etc. What about race eight? This is a great race. The BRC Sprint, the Ladbrokes BRC Sprint, 1,350 metres is the trip. It's a group three, huge field to go around here, capacity field with emergencies and also ballots. And, and one of those horses on the ballot was a horse called Antino, you know, the up-and-comer from the Tony Gollan stable, desperate to try and get this horse in. 
into the Stradbroke. They saw this as the opportunity, but yeah, ratings-wise, it, it hasn't made the field here, which makes it a difficult task for Antino. But it's out of the race, but it's still a really, really good betting race. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've had the Goodwood and the Doom and Cup that look fairly straightforward there, but this is a fantastic betting race with a heap of chances. Uh, he's going to have to win with the grandstand on his back, but we have landed with the top weight, uh, Scalapini, on top. He's just in outstanding form, and, and if he can repeat that rating of 63.5 he recorded when he won the Shaftesbury Avenue at Flemington um, last start, that was in March, it'll be extremely hard to hold out here. It's a big field, but there aren't a heap of natural leaders in this race. I can only find sort of two or three. So I'd expect Cole Crusher to bounce from an inside gate and land probably in front on the fence. And I'm just hoping that Scalapini from gate 11 can, can slide across and, and sit outside him and, and, um, yeah, he'll be well positioned from there. I think he's a nice price around the seven, seven dollar mark. We've got him rated a five dollar chance. So, um, we see a little bit of value there in the top weight. Our old mate Clemenceau is the fifth emergency here and he's going to need an absolute miracle to get a start in the race. But if he does manage to sneak in, I don't want to forget about him. As I mentioned last week, his running the take of a target stakes was full of merit, uh, just in the wrong part of the track completely, but it still hit the line really well. This looks a nice race for him, yeah. The only issue is that he's um, emergency, the fifth emergency mm-hmm. Probably not going to get a run, but um, yeah, it looks a nice race for him. Barrier sticks, um, Jaden Lloyd, obviously a gun apprentice up there. Um, so yeah, a, a little bit disappointing that he's probably not going to get a run. But if he does, uh, I definitely don't want to be losing on the race if he wins. The other one I want to mention, which isn't a bet for this race, um, but definitely worth a mention, is Sinawan, who he hasn't been seen since finishing four and a half lengths off Alligator Blood in the Champions Mile at Flemington last November. His fresh form leaves plenty to be desired. Um, but I loved his trial recently at, at Randwick. He trialed beautifully. He went through the line like, looking really good. So his second up ratings are outstanding. His first up rating is no good, but then he improves length second up. So if he shows anything in this race, you know, if he gets back and is running on nicely to finish midfield, I want to be backing him next start. And I'm not sure where they go if, might be a bit of a leap to go straight into the Stradbroke second up, but, or if they find a, another uh, sort of group two, group three race with second up. But yeah, just a watch horse there, Sina one, because if he does anything in this race, uh, he's going to improve four, three or four lengths second up, and I definitely want to be with him. So, uh, Scalapini, let's make him our, our win bet for the race. Um, obviously, there's the watch on, on Clemens, so doubt that he's going to get a run, but if he, if he does want to have something small on him, and then, yeah, Sina one, just from a, a future um, perspective, second up, if he does something, he first up, oh, I want to be better. Okay, so there, that's a, a look at a, a really good race, a really good addition to the BRC Sprint Roto. So there's a look at the Group 1s from Doombin and Adelaide and, of course, the big BRC Sprint. What's the best bet across the weekend? Oh, I've got Lofty Strike as the best bet um, this week. I Yeah, if he runs sort of... He doesn't even have to run to his best. If he runs, you know, 90% or um, 95% up to what he can do, I think he wins that race. So... For mine, only bad luck beats that horse in the Goodwood on Saturday. All right, so best bet. There we go, in the Goodwood. It's race eight, number nine. It's Lofty Strike. Dynamic Forms is the place to go. So it can be all of the, the information that you need to arm yourself best you can as a as a, uh, as a a punter. 
and there's the opportunity for you to jump on board, jump on the website and learn why it is the best combination in racing for serious punters. So have a look on there. So Jack, there's that opportunity still. The seven-day free trial is still available. There's sort of some tutorial videos on there as well. And if you just navigate around the website, you can learn exactly what Dynamic Form is all about. Yeah, absolutely. And we sort of neglect Dynamic Odds a little bit on this um you know, just as we're pumping up um, dynamic form. But, yeah, you, you basically get the, the two-for-one there. So two, your wagering platform, and then all your form platform, the two-for-one bundle there. And I will just mention that we've um, launched the dynamic form Facebook page. So get on. There's a little bit of content that we're floating around on there through, with ratings and, and interesting facts around a couple of the big races. So um, And, obviously, you get the link to the podcast on there as well. So, yeah, get on to the Facebook page, dynamic form. Just search it and um, give it a like and... And you can follow um, a bit of content on there. All right, so that's the way to keep up to date with what's happening with uh, Dynamic Form. As we said, it is uh, the best combination in racing, Dynamic Form and Dynamic Odds. That's a look at our review and preview for racing this weekend. Jack, as always, thanks for joining us on the program and hopefully we provided the pundits with some intel to find a few winners. Yeah, for sure. All the best, James, and enjoy the weekend's racing. Dynamic Form, Australia's most in-depth form guide powered by Dynamic Odds. Every runner, every meeting across Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore and other international jurisdictions. Personalise the form to suit you. Predictive rating for every runner. A comprehensive horse search database, speed maps, black books so you never miss a future winner. Dynamic Form and Dynamic Odds, the best combination in racing. Log on to www.dynamicform.com.au for a free meeting today.